0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we have David Thompson in here, and he's going to tell you all about how he's involved with real estate in the Austin area. Hey, David, how are you? Jordan, how are you doing? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you on. I know I've known you for quite a while, but I'd love to hear more about your story. Sure. Absolutely. So real quick, can you tell your guest who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have a company called Thompson Investing, and uh, we are primarily focused on syndicating uh, multifamily uh, apartments, two hundred units and up, self storage, mobile home parks, that kind of thing. We operate primarily in the Sun Belt, from Phoenix to Florida, but uh, you know specifically here in the Austin area, uh, we've got uh, three apartment communities, and in San Antonio, we also have three apartment communities, and we we typically partner with operators who uh, find these opportunities um, and manage them, uh, create some value for our investors. We usually, value add type of properties. Um, and then we're usually trying to get out of these in about two or three years and move on. And, uh, the operation team kind of focused on the disposition. Uh, my primary role for this group is, is, uh, educating investors uh, on the market and the deal and the team and, uh, bringing them to, uh, the table because, uh, you know, these, these deals are, are large deals, right? So they, it could be 20, 25 million. We, we might need, uh, I think typically the deals we've we've had around here locally have been around 15 million or so. So um, yeah, actively involved in those and uh, our investors like the market here, obviously Austin's on fire. It's hard to, hard to kind of find good value. So, uh, uh, but when we find one, we're excited about it. We usually get a lot of strong uh, investor demand, um, you know, obviously as the, as the jobs and population continue to move here in in
0: the Texas central markets. Absolutely. So, David, when did you come to Austin and what did you do before you got into real estate here?
1: Uh, great question, uh, Jordan. So, uh, I was in, uh, uh, after graduate school, I got into corporate America and worked for 20 years, uh, in different companies, AT&T and, uh, ended up in Dell. Uh, I got me down here in Austin in 1997, uh, worked for Dell for, uh, 15 plus years. And then, um, I left and I retired from corporate America, I guess in 2015. And, uh, I had my interest in real estate had peaked uh, about that time. Well, a little earlier around 2012, nice. and my, my spouse and I were starting to look at uh, you know coming out of the last financial crisis, we saw some really good opportunities from short sales and some of these single family homes around Austin market, maybe Cedar Park and Round Rock and some of the suburbs that folks know. And uh, uh, we we done really well with those. In about 2015, we had a handful, but it dawned on me that you know this is going to take a lot of more uh, capital it was a slower process. And, uh, we're fortunate we, didn't, we kept, we kept them because yeah. <laughs> the market's appreciated dramatically. Yeah. And like a, uh, every once in a while when we have a turnover and, uh, you know, we maybe spend too many weekends trying to get something fixed back up. usually a couple of weekends after, after that kind of wears off. I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, it's, it's a great appreciating market. And I think we'll just hang on to these. So, uh, fortunately my spouse likes to do the property management on them. And, uh, right. You know, if we need the tough work, we'll actually we'll hire out. But for the most things, we, we, we take care of ourselves, and she's a big part of that. And but but around 2015, I noticed that the house is becoming more expensive. I needed more capital at my job every year to buy one house at a time. Um, so you know, we tried our hand at duplexes and fourplexes in San Antonio, and uh, didn't have a success there. It just we had some we had some different relationship issues that blew up with the builders and things on these. And so I, I kind of went back to the drawing board and said, you know, I don't. Think we're going to cash flow very much more in these homes, but let's see if we can switch to um, get some mentoring in the syndication space, and uh, and that thing blew up pretty quick. And yeah. um, you know, today I feel like, well, you know, this is a space that uh, I can do a long time, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep our we'll keep our do it yourself activity. You know, I always mm. talk to investors that like, well, do I have to do one way or the other? Uh, listen, I, I think everybody has a has a do it yourself in them to some extent, and you could chuck it all and say, I want to be passive. Um, Investor and syndication is great for that. We can talk a little bit more about that, Jordan. But you know, I, I think it's always great if you're in your local area. Like we're in Austin here. Um, you know, sometimes you become an accidental landlord. You have a house and maybe it didn't sell in the good old days. Went <laughs> maybe a little slower. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you all of a sudden decide you want to move into another house, and maybe you decide to rent this one, or a job takes you away, and you decide. So a lot of people, you know, become uh, accidental landlords that way, and then they decide, hey, we'll, we'll try it. And, and not a lot of them to stick with it. Some do. And of course, Austin in this market's been great. If you uh, if you if you like it, you know if you like it and you're persistent, whether you're flipping or buying and holding, it's it's been a great uh, great market since uh, about 2012.
0: Yeah, absolutely amazing market. And yeah, I do the same. So I, I own rentals myself, but I I also invest in other people's projects. So I'll invest in syndications, but you know I own rentals here in Austin. I own other yeah. rentals outside of Austin. <clears throat> All right. It could be a great thing to do. What was your first rental property you bought? Was it in the, Austin? Right? Uh,
1: yeah, the first. I mean, if you start talking about a program, the pro- programmatic approach to it, like we're going to buy a house after a house, it was here in Austin. Um, mm-hmm. I had definitely owned a rental property uh, before up in uh, Sedona, Arizona. My folks were living oh, up cool. in there. It's a beautiful area, and yeah. uh, they lived by and um, bought a new home in there and were telling me about some opportunities. So, but we didn't. Hold it very long, unfortunately, we flipped it before the big crash, so we did make some money on it. So I was kind of intrigued by it. Um, but yeah, we moved down to, to Austin in '97. I guess it, I didn't really think it, it took a long time before I got into it. So 2012, so that's a long time here before I decide. I was just buying homes and we'd sell and move to another home. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh the, I always tell myself the earlier the better, and <laughs> I got in earlier, but life has this way, right? Life has a way of telling you when you're ready. At that time, probably I was focused on my young family and not so much a second job after my main job. And it, I was pretty mm-hmm. busy with Dell, traveling around the world and doing things. So that didn't appeal to me. But once I got you know, once I got into it, saw the opportunity, it, it really um, lit my fire like it does a lot of people. Awesome.
0: And uh, what's your portfolio now here in Austin?
1: <clears throat> so we have, uh, in the single-family space, we have a handful of properties, uh, a couple up in Terra Vista, up in uh, Round Rock, a couple in Cedar Park. And uh, then we got uh, a couple homes over by twenty two, twenty two, six twenty, up in the kind of the, uh, the hill country between a you know, River Place out there and uh, and Steiner Ranch, and uh, we, we've just found, uh, for the most part, uh, very very easy to rent, very easy to take care of. You yeah. want to be you know near good schools, and uh, we really haven't had a problem with the residents and that. And uh, the uh, in the syndication space, we we have. Probably 750 units, maybe three large apartments in the 250-unit oh, nice. category. One uh, called the Baxter, which is uh, managed uh, – these are managed with my my partner team, Wildhorn Capital, here. in uh, mm-hmm. uh, And they've got – we've got the property near Westwood High School called the Baxter that we bought uh, about a year and a half ago. That's doing pretty well. Um, reserve at Walnut Creek, that's a property just north of the old Mueller area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pre-COVID, that's – what was it? And it still is a really great area. It's really exploding. It's where the old airport was, right? So there's yeah. a lot of space, a lot of new stuff growing in. And what I liked about that area is that you can get downtown, you know, 10 minutes. You can be downtown yeah. in 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, if you're young and you've got, you know, no kids or, you you know, you're married and you've got a lot of energy, you want to get downtown a lot after work, or you can get there really. It's really accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, COVID slowed that up a little bit, but you know, they'll be back. And then we have one right down between the airport called Hawthorne of the district. Wait, I mean, The airport in downtown. It's surreal. It's like you're up on a bluff between that. It's like five minutes to the airport, five minutes to downtown. And obviously, there's no traffic, five minutes. You can see the airport. And you can see downtown from this knoll. And it's like, yeah, this property is on 12 acres. And there, we didn't put this in the business plan. Most apartment deals are like, you know, five-year holds. We're trying to get out of them in two to three years. That's when we've optimized the value. This property is sitting on prime 12 acres. You're probably a mile wow. away from Oracle's new headquarters there. Oh, wow. It is like you know. I could see someone an exit strategy, not just selling once you've renovated, selling it to another uh, maybe institutional group who just wants a, a prime property that they don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. But you could also that that thing could also be raised, perhaps, or you could you know somebody could convert it into condos and raise it a couple more floors, or you know because you just get a little bit above the skyline or the trees and you can see this beautiful skyline. And uh, so so we didn't put that in a business plan. Obviously, that's a little bit more um, out there, but it's definitely, uh, definitely a possibility as an exit strategy.
0: Yeah. I love that area. Really like East Austin too. I've lived in East Austin the entire yeah. time I've been in Austin. So
1: you're seeing dramatic, dramatic moves there. And, uh, you know, I oh, think, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's, it's, exploding everywhere. I mean, I, when I was in Cedar Park, it was Lander, and it was like, man, it's way out there. And now everybody talks about <laughs> moving to Lander, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, or moving out to Buda or moving, you know, moving out to Bastrop and, you know those areas are on fire, and uh, yeah, it's just we've seen tremendous growth. I know, I know I, I live out here in Steiner Ranch. You're probably familiar with that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, my neighbor, my next door neighbor, is a real estate residential broker. Oh. And he and there's three thousand homes in Steiner Ranch. you know getting right next to Lake Travis, and he said there's only one home listing a week ago or two weeks ago. And I saw oh, it yeah. It happened to be across the street and down from us, like two or three houses. And my wife were out and walking. We saw him coming out the front door. There's a bunch of cars out there and you know, he's coming out I'm like this. This reminds me of what people are talking about in the, when they live in the Bay Area. Right? You know, it's like multiple bids, multiple competition. I think he ended up selling out for 50000 more than they listed it in oh, yeah. like you know, three days. And that's not even uncommon anymore around here. Uh, what's our average inventory? Is down to half, half a month or less than a month? It's crazy. 0.4, so.
0: 4 months. The you know, average time on market is 33 days, which is that's crazy. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> That's from the day it's listed to the day it closes. It yeah. <laughs> so it's,
1: it's so they're selling it on paper in a matter yeah. of yeah three days. <laughs> yeah, so it's not so yeah for for us. I mean, we love the we love the lifestyle here, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll make this our home. We you know our our business has exploded. We've done a lot of things. It's a boutique business. I don't have to you know I could work out of the house. I don't have to be in an office or have a big team. I have support. Mm-hmm. Really great support team. Um, but we're flexible. My wife and I have done this business. We've we raised capital. What I love about that business is we've raised capital on family trips to, from Iceland to Australia to Hawaii. Wherever we are, we, we can always just take a few emails. If we had to do a call quickly, a lot of this business is done on email, text, and it's, and it's just a beautiful business. And so we, we've talked about where else we want to live. I'm like, I, I think just Austin's our home base. You know, I love it here. Yeah, but it would be nice to go. You know, hey, in a hot summer around August, maybe we're up in Denver uh, in the mountains. Uh, you know, for a month, and you know, with internet, we're, we're we're fine. You know,
0: and you can have internet pretty much anywhere in the world now, so, right? Yeah, you're yeah. flexible.
1: <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I mean, we're walking walking down the street in Iceland after dinner, and I get a text from you know some pastor. <laughs> I'm like, back and back to having fun. You know, and I'm just like, it's just amazing. You couldn't do that in the old days, and. So I love that the flexibility. But uh, Austin's our home. My daughter went to UT here. Uh, my other daughter's at University of Washington, but she's thinking about transferring back here too because all her friends are here. And mm-hmm. I think after uh, you know two three months in, in Seattle, she she got up there in January. You can't. There's no class on campus because of COVID. But she wanted to go experience it for ten weeks. <clears throat> so she's subleasing a place with a friend of hers. And she so, I mean she loves the experience, but she just can't get out. Yeah. And uh, someone told me from, I got several investors in Seattle. They said, yeah, if she can handle Seattle from January to March, then it's golden after that. So she said, yeah. she already had nine inches of snow. I'm like, that's pretty rare for up there. And of course, we got, I think it was the same system where we got our five or seven inches, which is rare for us, you know.
0: Very rare. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. Um, you know, so David, it sounds like, you know, you started small and it moved your way up bigger. Um, you took a jump at some point in time. Yeah. From smaller stuff up to the syndication spot. What yeah. initially attracted you to real estate investing? You know, so you. Well, when in I for a yeah,
1: time. I was I was definitely ready to get out of corporate America. Whether that's you know five years, ten years for some people, or thirty years. I mean, I think maybe twenty was a little bit long, but you know, I had a great ride in the corporate world. I traveled all the world. I was in the supply chain, so I I really learned a lot and and uh, was international trade primarily. So I was being sent to all these remote locations. So I, I mean, I had a great projects and wonderful people, really smart people working around me, good people. And so it wasn't, it wasn't that it was just <clears throat> after a while, you know, you just realize uh, once you, once you become an entrepreneur and you've been on that side, mm-hmm. you're like, there's no looking back. Cause I mean, I, the control of my time, I think is the biggest thing that I, I underestimated. I mean, I just wake up Well, I don't have an alarm clock, most mornings, <laughs> unless someone's and I, and I schedule it. So people don't call me too early I'm not like a huge sleeper person but mm-hmm. i just like to kind of get up on my own uh my wife and i we, we'll do some like light yoga stuff in the morning together we do uh i can go to family things and or we can do each, i just mentioned we can travel anytime i can just get up and travel and i have to ask my boss for permission or, or you know i want get two weeks or three weeks this year what is that all about so i, I think that's just the freedom and flexibility is, is the biggest thing
0: yeah
1: um and then the other thing is you know if you want if you have a and then a big company, you know, policy changes, things come down, you just have to react to them, right? A lot of times um, here, you know, I, I have every relationship I have is for a reason and a purpose. And every meeting I have is for a reason and a purpose. And there's very few times I want to call or a phone call or meeting that wasn't purposeful and that I, I was kind of excited about and want to, you know, have. And so it's it's not only flexibility with your time, but it's, it's the right time. Like, you know, you're giving yourself at the right time the things you want to do. It is harder work, but because I love what I'm doing, this is a cliche, but I never really knew it either until you finally get into that dream world of what you're doing. It's not ever feels like work. I I could be, sometimes my daughter walks by like, guys, put it away. You know, put your, (laughs) go over here, put your computer in your office, get away, close the door, because we can kind of just keep going. And uh, Mm -hmm. so that's the one thing you do have to guard again, make sure you, you do carve out the time and not get crazy about it. But for the most part it never feels like work, so if it's not feel like work, man, you're, you're working, you're, you're giving it your all, and uh, you see the rewards, you see the rewards. Um, and that's not obviously the case in the corporate world. So, when I left, it was great. Uh, why I left, um, <clears throat> we were starting to see that success in the single family space, mm-hmm. but it was going to be a slow process. And I couldn't see myself doing that another 10 years, of hanging on to my corporate job, saving 50 dollars $60,000, go buy a house, do it again, do it again, do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a multifamily mentoring course. And I realized after about three months, well, they were supposed to teach you how to buy your own apartment. And I realized it's a team sport. And it was going to be a lot bigger than I thought. And by that time, I had quit my job. I kind of finally decided, wow, 12 to 18 months, my wife kind of gave me in a nice way. Like, go pursue this. Go pursue this, but if it's not, you know what you want to do, come back uh, to to something that we can count on. And uh, fortunately, after three months into it, I I turned to my mentor, and he was this is the other thing that attracted to me. These guys, these two guys I met, were in their early thirties, and they're trying to buy a three hundred and twenty unit apartment in Dallas, Texas, and I'm like. I, I, you know, I'm a finance. I had kind of a finance background, interested in investing. I had never heard of syndication. Really, I never had been exposed to it. I didn't know mm-hmm. how you go even think about buying it. It never even dawned into my world that you can go buy a 300-unit apartment in Dallas, Texas that would cost <clears throat> that we had to go raise, you know, $15 million or whatever. I'm like, where, How do we, He goes. He goes, Dave. If you're going to get into this business, I could use some help. And you know, uh, so we did due diligence. We did all this stuff together. I learned, but he said. Know, go talk to all the people that you know, that might be accredited investors. And so I did just like network marketing, right? It was like, create a spreadsheet of everybody I knew, and I don't know, like 100 people or something in my life that might be, you know, and, and you know, like parents I met at a kid's soccer game or, you know, just people. And so I, I did, I let, I got out there and I raised a million bucks on my first deal. And, and I'm telling you, I've met like 30, 40 people since and it's rare. I've never really met anybody. that First time, the first time raised a million bucks. It's done. It's done. And I wasn't bragging about it. I didn't know at the time. My my, my uh, mentor said, well, that's pretty good. Uh, and uh, that was 13 investors. And then fortunately, that was a company that was just getting started. And so I did deal after deal after deal. I've now had 21 syndications with these guys. i oh, raised wow. over 50, 50 million with them. The company now, Thompson Investing, has raised over $150 million dollars. We're in 35 syndication deals, and we've done that in the last you know, four and a half years or whatever. So we're on the pace. We probably do eight to 12 deals a year. We have partnerships now beyond that original group. We probably have partnerships with you know, seven to 10 different operators, and we branched out geographically. We branched out different operators from a risk perspective and different niches. Self-storage, we added in mobile home parks because <clears throat> I started researching, and I said, if I'm going to be dealing with investors, last thing I want is to have a lot of bad experiences for for them. <laughs> so yeah. I stayed in recession-resistant things attracted to me. And if I did all this research, it wasn't hard. The data was out there. The last 25 years, Jordan, it was like apartments and self-storage mobile home parks was beating the stock market by 2x oh, wow. on total returns with far less volatility. I'm like, why doesn't people know about this? So that, that was really my mantra. Was I had a financial planning degree. I never used it in college. I tried it. It came out in a recession. I was 22 years old, trying to talk to people with money. Didn't really work. It was all sales. I hated it. Hated sales. Hated. I, was, I hired a cold calling team. I don't even do any of that today. Today, it's, it's all about thought leadership and group like podcasts and blogging and stuff like that. But my business is more of now to 90% of the investors are return investors or referrals. And you can't get a better business than that. If I'm talking to a referral, their buddies or their, their their friends already had success and they're coming to me and like they're, they're already kind of teed up. They just need to educate them on what we're doing, how we work, how I can learn about them, and help them. Uh, so this business is in a great spot. We probably have about 500 accredited investors. Um, so, and we probably will bring, I don't know, on every given deal, uh, you know, I, I have a team now that I work with. Uh, we're now a licensed. So I supervise a team and you know, we'll bring 5 or $10 million to deals uh, is really what we try to do for operators. We'll, we'll do $2 million if they need it or $5 million, but we try to get more of the team involved. And I, I'm helping them grow a business, right? So they don't work for Thompson Investing. I'm, I'm mentoring them and helping them grow their own business. They have their own websites, their own name. Together, we're collectively, we're working to support the operator and get deals done. So the operators like us because they're like, one-stop shop, just call Dave, and, and is this a deal that's, that's interesting. Um, and that's the business. I mean, I invest in every deal. I show investors. I walk the property. I was just in San Antonio. Uh, and We mentioned before the we started our broadcast with the Wildhorn Group is looking at a deal in Shirts, and um, we went down there. It's a 2008 good looking property, but it, it the interior is the builder built to kind of an A minus spec. So there's an opportunity to upgrade now as this Shirts and the whole I 35 corridor blows up, and so it's a really good opportunity to. to uh, to look at this property and do some things to it. Um, but we get involved. I mean, I'm not analyzing the deal, but I do under I do look at the underwriting and make sure the assumptions are conservative. Uh, we uh, share the conference call with our investors. We walk them through the process. We educate them how to get in a deal. And then once they're in the deal, we have our own website portal. And, and, and I want this Venus flag, flytrap approach. You know, I want to have investors come to us and they have holdings over here and here and here and they can see all their... Portfolio and distributions and all that. So, yeah, it's it's a kind of a it's it's a really cool business now. I really I love where it's at and excited about the future.
0: That's awesome. So yeah, you're you're providing people opportunities and just making their life easy after you've provided the opportunity is what it sounds like.
1: That's it. Passive investing is really. uh, I mean, I mean a lot of people who love. or really like real estate or their friends talk about, they just don't know how to go about it. I think we're mm-hmm. fully, we're, we're basically, I always tell people when I send them an introductory email off the kind of my website, my, my first thing is you know, we're an educational, we're, we're educating you on why this space, why these niches, why would you want to be in commercial real estate? What What's the expectation once you're in commercial real estate? You know, you got some cash flow coming in. You're a passive you get reports. You get money in your distribution, you know, distributions in your mail and not your mailbox. Well, you could get them in your mail. We prefer to put them right in your bank account, right? Um, but, you know, it's really passive for you, but, you know, we do want you to know, you're a limited partner, you are a partner. So you're going to get monthly reports and you're going to get updates. But if you just want to see your money come in the, and just make sure your money comes in the account and you're happy, you don't have to read my reports. You can just go about your very business and uh, we'll let you know when we sell it. Um, and if you want to do a 1031 exchange, we'll, you know, we'll let you know if we're going to do something like that. It's a, yeah, and then some of our investors are they're a little bit more interested in, and uh, have questions about some of the deals that we're doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I try to tell people there's a lot of ways to invest in real estate. Obviously, you've done the really active stuff, and you still do this. And I, I think that's that's good to hear, too, is you can yeah. still be active, but you could also <laughs> right. be completely passive. And they're That's right. two completely different things. Yeah. You yeah. know, you do them. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a really good point, Jordan. And maybe if I didn't emphasize it, I think it's important. When I talk to investors, I never want to come up. It's easy to drink the Kool-Aid. It's working. It is working. I invest my own. I see my portfolio growing. And I love the tax benefits. I love the cash flow. I love when we sell. I'm like, all this stuff's good. Um, and not every deal works out. I mean, but we haven't had any, uh, in 35 deals that I am, we haven't lost anybody money. Uh, let's knock on wood, let's start there. Because we are in good markets. We're with good teams. We're in conservative, typically conservative assets. Again, looking at the track record, these, these assets don't fall apart. We've looked at the, we've looked at these in two thousand seven, two thousand nine, and the single family home. Uh, this is data from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Single family homes: four and a half percent of the single family homes across the country were over sixty days delinquent in paying their mortgage during that financial crisis, two thousand seven, two thousand nine, and. For apartments, it was less than a half percent. Wow. So if I'm looking at and that's data I can produce and give to any investor. It's like, if I look at that, to me, it tells me, single and I own single-family homes, and I'm not selling them, but I'm yeah. like, you know, it tells me they're almost eight to ten times riskier. And why is that? <laughs> well, if it's a really down market, and you're in a bunch of houses, um, and, you know, you have a lot of supply and, and low demand, Then uh, you know it's harder to get renters in there, or you have to lower your price or whatever. Mm -hmm. And apartments, because because those homes, those homes are you know they got one family income or or two families or two people income. That's it, holding that house rent up, right? But with apartments, you've got two or three hundred families. So we'll see occupancy drop from ninety five maybe to high eighties in Dallas during two thousand. We got the data from uh, CoStar. It it shows the markets that we're in. We dropped seven eight percent. Worst case. Oh, wow. okay we can go down to 75 percent and break even uh in occupancy so there's a lot of cushion there i'm not saying every deal' is going to work out but there's a lot of cushion to get through we saw covid we saw operators go from quarterly di- from monthly distributions to quarterly cut it down to four percent for seven or eight percent but everybody understood it there's a moratorium going on uh operators wanted to conserve capital we don't want to do a capital call so let's they do the right thing we want to take care of the residents we want to be Responsible if they're late on their rents, you know, how to what are kind of payment plans you want to be sensitive to that. but We are running a business, but at the end of the day, I, I went through a hall of COVID and we're still in all these properties. No one has not paid now. We haven't had have one property, we're at probably 25 apartments I think in a variety of markets from Phoenix to Florida, uh, many here in Texas, Central Texas. And you know, we really haven't, uh, uh, we're going to get out of this. And, and I'm not worried about that. I don't lose sleep at all about that. If I had a single family home, in Austin, I don't worry about that either. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, in 2007, 2009, in some of these markets around the country, you might've been worrying if you had some single family homes, right? Um, that's a that's an interesting point. The, the other thing I want to touch on is in Austin, if you're living in Austin or wherever you're living in, you have a lot more understanding of your environment. And if mm-hmm. you want to start out flipping homes or buying or wholesaling or buying single family homes for buy and hold, or duplexes, fourplexes, all that stuff. You know, for your listeners, I mean, that's all great because you're here. You kind of know where the areas are, where are the good, at bad areas, where are the good, where are the gentrifying areas. Where you might be able to catch something on the upside. Yeah. Um, now, if I told you, okay, do that same strategy in uh, some place in Florida, or something you've never been to, you don't even know, is it possible? I'm not saying it's not possible, but now you're now you're increasing up your you're increasing your do it yourself energy. You got to have a team. You got to really take trips. You got. use a lot more energy going on. Uh, what if I said go buy self storage or mobile home parks or even apartments? You're like, I know my some investors doing really well in that space, but that's where syndication comes in. Syndication comes in because you can identify experts who are in those markets, who just do those niches. Um, at the end of the day, just complement what you're doing. You can still do both, but you know, don't try to do something you're not expert at or you know, do it on a small scale till you get better, and partner with experts. That's what I did. You know, partner with experts um, to avoid making mistakes when you're a rookie,
0: right? Absolutely, yeah. No, I think that just like you said, there's low risk ways to do each strategy, and then there's there's higher risk ways. I'd say the higher risk way to invest passively is just pick a name and invest with that person. You don't know anything about them, you don't do due diligence on the operator. That's high risk to me. Um, yeah, sing, single family or or duplex. If you just invest in a market you know nothing about and don't have a team in. That's really high risk to me.
1: Right, right, right. Yep, that's exactly right. <clears throat> so, you, David, you hit it
0: around the I know you've done a lot of deals, both in active active real estate investing, which you manage and own, and then you've done a lot of passive deals. What's something you would tell people? to avoid, so a bad deal you've been in and some lessons you can pass along?
1: Yeah, we just, um, it's, it's funny because every time I, I, about 10% of the deals that we offer every year are um, alternative assets, they're syndication deals, they're alternative assets, but they are um, in higher risk areas. Um, mm-hmm. I have not offered this to my investors, but I invested uh, with some partners that I do know but the operator we don't know very well uh in a hemp farm uh up in colorado and the returns on this were like you know 5x and you get your money back in 100 in one year and then you just sit back and you know it's it's all you're, you're with playing with vegas money after that right and so mm-hmm. this big. well the first year the crop failed or they had enough failure that nothing really happened uh, they had a bad seed but no when I, when I when i got the pitch on the operator and actually the partner had actually invested with him in cannabis, but they were switching over to doing some hemp. They were very sophisticated operators, but I didn't realize how many variables can happen in agriculture. So kind of that we had agricultural play. They were taking potatoes and farms and turning them into hemp farms. And the story was beautiful. They even had an active buyer ready to buy the product. Everything was beautiful about the story, but uh, I'm not sure that's going to work out or not. And uh, I didn't syndicate the deal, but I'm in the syndication, um, I just had a factoring business with a syndication, with a syndication partner, um, and we just had to send an email to investors. We're going to close the fund. Um, they're going to give us ninety cents on the dollar. We're going to get all our investors' money back and give them five percent for one year. So, like I said, we're never going to lose money. That's the goal. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll we'll come out of our own pockets to make our investors whole. But when I I go back and I look at all those things, it's really the operator that I didn't know a lot about, or and it's an industry that's very. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that could happen to make things go wrong. And uh, almost it almost, to a, almost to a deal, the sexier it is, uh, <laughs> the higher risk it is. And you can pretty much bet that it's going to probably give you some sleepless nights. So the older I get, it I've been doing business, I know, 30 years investing since a teenager, 30 years plus. I had stock investing clubs that run, we've had very success in that. If I look at all this stuff, I just wrote a blog on this. I think to me, I get I get more conservative as I go forward. I, I love apartments right now. I mean, I, other, other things work, but we even found in mobile home parks during COVID, we had a lower, because because that demographic is getting affected by service jobs displaced because of COVID yeah. and service jobs go away. Yeah. Our B plus apartments in A minus areas, higher salaried employees, high tech, they didn't get affected. We had two economies going on. So I I keep thinking all the time my investment strategy. What are, how do I we lower our risk? Because it's all, it's at the end of the day, it's about capital preservation. And I see maybe too many investors trying to shoot for the moon. And I think if you if you if you talk to older investors about all of their investing over thirty or forty years, I bet you they will never will tell you. They may tell you about some home run they had or whatever. But if they if they really if you really look at it, it says the investment I didn't touch that was kind of plain and boring. But just consistently gaining like 10% a year. And I got always get my principal back and lived another day. Um, and you, you could, if you could just get 10% for a long time and get tax benefits uh, or low double digits, uh, you can do fantastically well. But think about this. They always say in the stock market, oh, the stock market gives you like 10% over like 30 years or whatever, you know, beyond every 20 years, I look at a stretch, it's like a you know, 10% return. But if you look at all the all the analysis, if you look at all the analysis they do with investors, what happens? In reality, we touch the money. We do things with it when yeah. it's high, when it's going up, like GameStop here recently. When it's high, people <laughs> jump on. Yeah, people jump on, and then you know it, it crashes, and then they lose money. Um, and they don't they don't buy it when it comes all the way down. It's like really a hard to buy a falling knife, or it's hard to buy something. And so the more I do these kind of deals. Um, you just gotta really be careful. Um, it, what, what sounds really cool and and they always say too good to be true, but you know even a twenty percent or more return doesn't sound too too good to be true. But it probably kind of is, right? There's a lot more risk there than you probably know about. Um, oh, yeah. So if you're going to go in that direction, I would just say make sure it's an operator that you know very well and has had a lot of success in that, and then put a small amount of money in it. That, that's what I would tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I agree. A lot of the good investments are really boring. If it sounds really sexy and attractive, um, Bitcoin's a really good example right now. Yeah, mining farms. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Bitcoins
0: and
1: Bitcoin mining farm. I even have a business partner who wants me to raise capital on a Bitcoin mining farm. And I was talking to my wife the other day as we were driving back from that San Antonio property, and like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can go raise a couple million on that with my investors. I have a certain amount of investors that might like to put a little bit in and we'd lower the minimums just to, you know, 50,000 that, that you, you know, I don't want to, someone wants to give me 400,000 for that. I'd probably talk them down, you know, yeah. I don't want that responsibility, but I'd be like, you know, Hey, um, so we, we were debating that. I know, I know it's there to take and the, and the returns for me as a partner and getting involved would be pretty significant, but I'm like, I just, you know, it's not really worth it. It was kind of cool. A couple, When I got in the business a few years ago, it's kind of like, that's kind of cool, interesting. I want to really diversify my investors. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, what's really working? It's it's value-add B-plus apartments in A-minus areas. <laughs> Workforce housing was working a little while there. It'll come back. But, yep. you know, it's it's self-storage mobile home parks and apartments. That's pretty boring stuff. But it's not boring when you see the returns over and over and over again. And, and you know, I don't have to have too many discussions with investors. Like, what the heck happened? We, we have a couple of those, but... I'm like I even when that happens, I'm like it's the business plan is still a a five-year plan. Let's give it some time. We certain things happen on the property. We're gonna work through it, and I'm confident it'll get turned around. But you know, if stuff goes sideways in a bad investment, it's it's (laughs) it kind of stays bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of the bad investments or riskier investments are really more speculation than they are investment. You know, the the apartment communities you talk about, yeah they have a business plan. It's hey, we do this, this, and that. And yeah, you're yeah. talking if they have conservative underwriting, there's the a yeah. high likelihood this stuff's gonna happen. But yeah, you're just saying, well, Bitcoin's gonna go to a hundred thousand. Yeah. That's pure speculation. There's that's no, right. you could find reasons to support your thesis. Oh, so Elon right. Musk just bought it or this and that. But yeah, it there's no business plan there. Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah,
1: no, you're exactly right. I like that word you use a lot, and <clears throat> I'll make one last thing. I was traveling with Dell a lot to Brazil. We were setting up uh, helping them set up service infrastructure for the factory down there. Great time! Love the Brazilian people. We had a lot of. Body. I, went, I went every two weeks for like one one year. Oh, I was going back and forth, and uh, on some of those trips on the weekends, we have extra time, and we uh, were staying two weeks. And we started noticing that Brazil during that time, it's right before the Olympics when they had the Olympics down there, mm-hmm. and the, the Brazil currency was going up. The real was was appreciating, and they were selling. They were a uh, kind of a, uh, an exporting country of raw materials to China and, and things like that. They had a lot of raw materials to, so they were, they were, their currency was strengthening. They had the Olympics coming up. They had the world cup they were hosting. So we were down there and like, we were, we were you know, intrigued. And we, we, we would talk to real estate developers and I bought into a deal in, in Brazil and, and oh. uh, Ecuador. I bought property and, and, and Tulum, Mexico, I brought property. and. Uh, every one of those deals end up having hair on them. And uh, in, in Brazil, it was a Portuguese company that was building it. And they, uh, they they had a, a big strike and the strike went on for a year. I mean, oh, I don't know wow. if you'd have a, a labor strike in the US for a year building something. I never heard of that, no. but it was a whole year. So the product was delayed and we already gave money. So I'm like, you know, so we, we ended up selling and getting out of there. Then what happened is they had some scandals and stuff. The currency started dropping. So Long story short, on all these deals, if you think about international investing, I, I, if if I'm on bigger pockets and I see anybody talking about international investing, I always throw up a couple of stories because I'm like, that sounds cool, right? Man, I can go see the property. I can vacation. I always tell people, why don't you do this? Go vacation. Yeah. Go rent. Vacation rent, and then maybe stay three months, and then maybe six months. Really get to know the area really well. Understand the rules, the laws, the currency. Do they fluctuate or not? The politics and. You know, a lot of these countries will have a coup or change of leadership or change the taxes overnight, and uh, it's it, you get no you get no warning about this stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's happened at every property in the international space I've had. I'm like to a point where, you know, I've lost money. I'm maybe breaking even on a couple of things, but it's been a wild ride. I'm like, it, we would. I just love going out on and vacationing, and yeah. I have a five I have five acres in an Echo. Gated community I've never built on. It's it's got howler monkeys in there. It's it's really cool, and we were the only development between us and the beach of about you know two three, maybe two miles three miles, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be this biosphere and the government says protected. <laughs> One trip I went down with my wife. It, screw it. They, the local developers came in and made some deal with the government and they had moved the biosphere over here a little bit and they were developing all this. So basically, my run to the beach became way out there. And I'm like, well, it's still kind of cool to go down, but I don't know if I'm gonna build anymore. It's the kind of stuff that happens. And, and you know, it, it probably some of this stuff probably wouldn't happen in the states. You know, you have protected lands and it's not gonna just be sold, but you know, you never know what's gonna happen in some of these four countries. I'm like, it's a great example of just not knowing enough, right? Not knowing enough and getting kind of crazed by the excitement of everything and buying into it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I have heard of that stuff. That's crazy to hear all of your experiences have been negative investing. Not negative as in you've lost money, but you just not recommend it to other people.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the cooler, the the probably the, the better thing to just turn around and go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> go to Vegas for fun. Go to yeah. Tulum to vacation um, and don't get caught up in that stuff. Most of the time, I don't think it works out. It's awesome. too, too complex. Yeah.
0: You know? What's one thing you'd want newer investors to know that are interested in looking into projects like syndication? Let's say somebody's saying, Hey, you know, I've got a high paying job. Yeah. I I love my job. I don't really want to go flip houses.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, it's ideal for that, right? So it's passive mm -hmm. in nature. Uh, A good company will want to educate you, you know, kind of what the expectations are Mm -hmm. um, and understand your goals and objectives. You know, do you want cash flow? Are you trying to retire? We have deals. Jordan, where you can, in, in multifamily space, where, you know, if you can choose class A, and we have class A, class B. Class B is kind of growth and income, get all the profits. Class A, you get no profits, but you can get like 9%, 10% yield. And you can, I heard a guy the other day says, so I, I mean, I can borrow from my PLOC and get a three and a half on my equity. He's from Seattle. And I can turn around and invest in this deal and get 10%. I'm like, I can show you why I think it's a low risk investment to get 10, percent and you get all mm-hmm. the tax benefits. Um, so there, there's uh, you know those kind of investors, but most people are kind of growth and income oriented. They want some cash flow, six, seven, eight percent. They want the upside. Um, but I love the tax benefits um, of, of this real estate stuff. Um, so you know it's it's a it's a good thing to look at. But most people, I want to make sure is uh, you know we don't do any cold calling. We're not hard selling this stuff. It, you, when you see these deals and educate you about them, I think you're going to be like. This is pretty cool, and when I I get people involved, I always say be prudent. You know, start with the low minimum, yeah. put your toe, get your toe in. Uh, we'll get you in a good market. You want to be in Texas? You want to be? We got deals in Texas. You want to be in Austin? You know, I'll probably have a couple of deals in Austin. But you know, get on our mailing list, and when something, once we have a thirty minute discussion and learn who you are and what's going on, <clears throat> we'll put you on the mailing list. Now you have to be a accredited investor. I don't know if you, Jordan, you've talked to educated people. Most of our deals yeah. have to be accredited. If have like a million net worth, minus your personal residence, or a certain income, two hundred thousand or more. But if you qualify for those, then you can get on our mailing list and distributions on deals that come up. And uh, you know, if it's something that's interesting, you, you just push a button and we'll give you more information. And if, if you say, "Hey, I like what's going on, Dave. Let's let's get more. Let's let's. I'm ready to move forward, or I want to answer. I want questions answered. Great. We're we're really low low key on this. Um, mm-hmm. We're really low key because uh, it's more about just educating you if it's right and we're all about helping you build a portfolio of these different things in different parts of the country. And, and uh, if you, if some people just like Texas or some people like Texas and Florida, cause it's no tax, no state tax. <laughs> yeah. some, some people just want to be diversified across. And we actually have funds. We have funds where you can, we've got one fund going on where you, you people can you know get into five or seven deals all across the country in apartments. And oh, so wow. you can be instantly diversified. You don't have to wait and build. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of things we can talk to investors about, but, most people I talk to, uh, a lot of people who are new, just need to be educated. What is this all about? So I have blogs. I have a book called Riches and Ditches that teaches people, you know, 25 frequently asked questions of syndication. It's free on my website. I've got a lot of blogs about why I like apartments or self-storage. You know, easy kind of stuff to kind of learn about the space. Um, and then we'll get you exposed to the deals that we're doing and then hopefully get you in one. If you like it, you might want to do more, tell your friends about us.
0: Awesome. So. Real quick for everybody listening that's not familiar, I mean, and David, absolutely correct me if I'm wrong here. To be an accredited investor, you either need to make over $200,000 a year as an individual. I believe it's $300,000 a year as a couple. Right. Or have a net worth over a million dollars, not including your personal residence. So if you've got 400 grand in equity of your house, you can't count that for your. Yeah, you can
1: count rental properties, equity, you can count mm-hmm. 401k, IRAs, just about anything. If you think about a net worth statement yeah. and you put it together. The only thing you're not able to count is really the equity in your personal home. Um, on the income, you're right on, Jordan. Um, you just have to do that for two of the last two years. So if you if you I have some people, hey, well, I just made 200,000 this year. I can credit as well. Unfortunately, they look back two years, a two year look back and then expectation of, of going forward. They've toyed around with looking at changing those rules. it's it's a little bit unfair if you're on the west and east Coast, higher income areas, you know you get first line managers could maybe take 200,000 Silicon Valley, right you're, yeah. you're in, an area in Iowa, it's maybe harder to hit 200,000, just the cost of living and the salaries yeah. are So there's been some discussion around that. I haven't seen anything yet. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the primary way um, the less known areas if you're in the securities industry already. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are some licenses out there. I think it's a series seven a 65. Uh, you're accredited just because you're in the industry. Um, but yeah, that's the primary way to do it. And, uh, there are some deals out there. Uh, I am, I have a deal. There are some deals out there that come up from time to time where the operator It's called a 506 B, uh, deal Jordan, not to get too yeah. technical depending on where your audience level is, but, uh, on occasion, we have deals that allow for non-accredited investors, as long as you're sophisticated. So we educate mm-hmm. you, we kind of understand what your business background is, what your investing experience is. But, um, and, and operators can take up to 35 non-accredited investors uh, in those deals. So I wouldn't totally discourage people like, oh man, I'm, I'm a light years away from that, or, you know, I'm close to that, but it doesn't sound like Dave's really encouraging that. I'm like, um, I would say 95% of our deals are accredited. Uh, but okay. if you're close or you're you know, this really intrigues you. Um, you know there's probably a, a deal or two every year that that we could probably qualify you in as a non accredited sophisticated investor yeah.
0: awesome. Okay. Um, what's your best advice for people looking to invest in Austin? So you said you stopped buying houses in Austin in 2015. Yeah, uh, let's say somebody's looking to get started investing in Austin here. Uh, what would you tell them to look for?
1: uh like if you're investing in like single family homes perhaps uh just or just, any, just general investing yeah you know if you're going to yeah. invest
0: passively with one of you guys or you're going to oh, yeah. a duplex here or yeah. whatever you're going to do
1: yeah well this is my own personal experiences right so you know take that with the with, with what it's worth right so yeah. uh, i in 2015 I stopped buying single family homes cuz i i just wasn't seeing the cash flow now how mm-hmm. i was buying it i i didn't want a lot of problem with my property. So I bought in good suburbs, good schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, uh, Jordan back in 2012, I was probably buying $225,000 homes. Those things are probably worth 350 now, <laughs> but, yeah. um, uh, you know, so to me, as I got into 2015, those homes were getting up to 275. like, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't ready for, you know, gentrifying areas or things that would cause me a lot more work. So I wanted homes that were kind of 10 years left and less age, at oh. the time I was buying. So, you know, I was buying, like, in, Terra Vista is a great community. Those, I think that, I think that home that I bought back there was maybe a 2000, uh, know, 2010 home or something like that, maybe back then. But, you know, I, I, I really didn't want to uh, have much problems. Uh, but, you know, other people, I know I, I know one of the biggest wholesalers here in town. And so if you're looking for more affordability, and that kind of thing maybe that's the person to contact you know mm-hmm. and kind of learn about you know if i want to get more active like if i'm a flipper or things like that i just encourage people to get lo- involved locally you know this is great you're doing a podcast kind of geared towards austin but mm-hmm. when i first started the business i went to multifamily meetup groups or flipping groups you, you know go to meetup.com look at real estate and see all the groups and just start going and attending these different things you may not know what you want to do yet but certainly you're going to meet a lot of contacts here in, and that's the benefit of the local meetup groups: meeting contacts and finding out who the big players are and who's who uh, maybe looking for partners and you know uh, and that kind of thing. And then you might just find that niche and, and start working it. But uh, I stopped buying in two thousand and fifteen because I just thought about my mine was a buy and hold strategy, and I just thought I'm not really getting the cash flow anymore. But now in syndications, I'm okay buying in Austin because our apartment syndications value add. I tell people our slow flips mm-hmm. we are flipping it just takes about two years to renovate a 200 unit apartment yeah. you know if it's 95 percent occupied when we buy it we say typically there's 200 units we only have 10 vacant to renovate on day one 30 days later we're moving we're kind of like a pancake we're moving people's leases that are expiring hey you want to stay look at this brand new thing we just fixed up for only 75 bucks more or 100 bucks more I'm like oh yeah I don't want to leave the area. My job is down here. My kids are in school. Their friends are next door. Shopping's right up the street. Why do I want to even move, you know? So, okay, it's a good value proposition. Move them over. Well, then we start renovating theirs. But it takes two years to do that. And if the market's good, then in two years, we sell. Or we refinance. Or we, you know, if it's not good, we're going to hold on to it. Um, So I I feel like when you are flipping a property, you can make more profits than a buy and hold. Okay, because I can I can literally flip two deals in a five year hold period, um, and my IRRs I'm targeting IRRs at four, you know probably right now around fourteen percent's even challenging to get lost in Austin apartments right now, but yeah. you know that's what we're looking at about fourteen percent IRR um, on these deals and probably you know mid to you know mid to higher teens kind of over a five year hold. We're typically out of them in two or three years, um, but yeah, I mean that I can't really. I know Austin's appreciating crazy right now. So people who are buying single family homes and flipping them, you know, months after they bought them to somebody else are like, "Well, I can make more money doing that." But that's it's going to be a relatively short time this happens. As much as I'm optimistic about Austin and what's happening, and we're under house and everybody's moving here, you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Even the big freeze kind of freaked me out, right? So the big freeze that happened last week, I told my San, my guys we're looking at San Antonio. If this thing goes out a month later, it's going to be better than we go out a week later on this deal. Because investors have a short-term memory. Uh, I tried to do a deal in Orlando, Florida with an apartment with a really experienced operator when Hurricane Dorian was scooting up the coast last year uh, or a year and a half ago. And it was like it was my, my worst capital raise experiences ever because every day. On your phone, on the news, look at Dorian, it's going up the coast. And I'm like, Dave, where's this deal? It's, it's right there. It's uh, this is about maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> not too far from Dorian right there. Um, so, you know, people's memories are short, but, um, you know, that's that shock to us last week. You know, maybe maybe made a few corporations rethink coming to Texas. I'm, sa- I'm telling you, maybe. Uh, now, if you say it only happens every 40 years, And do we even want to spend any time worrying about this stuff? Or is that camp? Or should we do some kind of modest improvements or a complete overhaul so we're always reliable if we go to whatever temperature we go to? So um, what does that tell you? It tells me that you're never safe anywhere. You better have a diversified portfolio. And if you think only Austin, Texas, is the name of the game, anything could happen. I used to tell investors, we're like, who's a kid, what's the guy in North Korea? He actually told us that he was going to shoot a missile over to Austin, and I said it's probably seriously unlikely that would ever happen. But if something like that happened, is that a black swan event that you would never have thought? Ha-? Who would have thought COVID would have happened? Right now, COVID's affecting every place. But what if COVID was only in Wuhan? What about apartments in Wuhan? What if COVID was only in Austin, Texas, or Texas, and you just only loved the Austin, Texas market? All I'm saying, I love Austin. It's going to be great. If I'm overweighted here, I'm. I feel. That's where I want to be overweighted, but yeah. this is where I think syndication comes in. I want to be in some different niches. I want to be with some different operators. I don't want to Bernie Madoff going on, and yeah. I may want to be in, um, you know, some definitely some different geographies because I, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Hurricane Harvey next or who knows, you know. So yeah. Anyway, I can go on. Probably, probably trying to wrap it up. <laughs> you just got Jordan's. Like, I think we got to get this one wrapped
0: up. <laughs> no, I think you've got some good advice. Um, think you can be diversified against uh, among different parts of the real estate asset class too. Yeah. So you know, like we right. talked about, you have single yeah. family and those sorts different of things over here, yeah. and then you've got passive investments yeah. and apartments yeah. over here. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about diversifying different areas. I don't think it's a bad idea to diversify with other operators. So, you know, if you're operating yourself, maybe you've got somebody else you invest with. I do that. Yes. Um, yes. I just get checks every month from those guys. Then I don't have to do anything. Yeah. That's
1: right. So,
0: pretty nice. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And inside, like a lot of people, I, my thinking on this is at the end of the day, as you get older, you tend to be more passive. That doesn't mean not, not passive about life. It's just you tend to want less complexity in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't, you know, you're, you're kind of downsizing the work. You've done the work and now you want to kind of enjoy your work more part time. Maybe some volunteer work, maybe more time with your family, whatever that is. Uh, it's easier to unwind. Like I said, if I have a bunch of passive investments, if I don't feel good one day or one month or, you know, God forbid I get by a bus early, I know my wife's still going to get the check. So there's a little bit more risk in my do-it-yourself approach. Um, obviously, she's managing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if something happened to her. I'd be like, oh crap! I got to manage. It. No, but I mean, I don't think about it like that. But I'm like, really, when you think about it, it's like you, there's lots of things to think about in the world of investing, and in it. it's so easy to kind of get enamored with numbers and pool factors and stuff like that. But you know, maybe start small in a lot of these different areas, and uh, you know, learn from experts uh, and. Uh, you know, I think you'll you'll, you'll find it's okay. And listen, it's okay to lose some money. Some people just have to lose money, or you just have to go through that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling my daughter going to UW. If I sit back and think about me paying out of state tuition for you to go to University of W, she's in Austin, here, UW, and you can't even go to class, and there's COVID going on, and I'm paying your apartment and your out of state tuition, it makes no absolute no sense, mm-hmm. but she, she's a 4.0 student. She's a wonderful person. She's really uh, accountable. And we had a discussion. I'm like, I, I want you to go experience that. It makes no economic sense. It, you know, maybe from a safety, thing, but I'm like her whole senior year was screwed up because of COVID. Like they, they missed it. Their, their, their whole graduation was delayed two or three months. And then it was kind of like, nobody was in the stands. It was just, you know, everybody went through that. That's not my kid. Okay. Then her senior trip got, you know, everybody was paranoid about getting five kids together. They had to quarantine for two weeks. They ended up going down to Galveston, which is the most coolest place in the world. But yeah. you know, when we kind of chaperoned down, we hung out. But I was just looking at that, her whole experience and like how resilient and, and all this stuff. And I was like, I just want to give that to her, right? I want to yeah. give that to her. And I, even though, you know, it's the same kind of with investing. I, sometimes you just got like, I could tell you all day long not to go invest in Tulum, Mexico. Someone's going to tell you they can make a ton of money down there. Yeah, I had a poor experience, and I had three experiences were poor, and until I finally learned,
0: <laughs> yeah. I
1: had to have three experiences before I finally learned. But as I do more and more, now I'm sitting back telling the younger people, "This is I would go this way, I would go this way." But some people still have to make their own mistakes, and at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think you bring up a, a larger point too. Um, people can listen to podcasts all day, but at some point in time, you just have to get started and start learning that way because you really yes. learn so much more when you do it. <clears throat> Absolutely.
1: That's, that's powerful, Jordan. That's, that is powerful. Um, I tell investors that who are like kind of hesitant to get in on their first deal. I'm like, this whole conversation you, you learned all this stuff, but until you actually got into it, experienced us giving you reports, seeing money come into your account reading the reports, kind of understanding. Maybe you can go to the property if it's close by. Until you actually did this, you couldn't even experience yourself as a passive investor. You can't even experience it. You don't even know what, what, what this is all about. Start small, touch it, see how it goes. If it's an active approach like you've done, Jordan, which is great, you know, um, you know, you got to do it. You can't just read about it. You got to do it. Um, yep. the, the people that, you know, quit their job, go all in, and, and, and you know, there's people out there like that. I, I certainly quit my job, but I, I definitely have my family in a really good position to do that. Mm-hmm. I admire people that do that and it works out, but it, it's also too, you got to really kind of weigh all that, what, you know, your yeah. environment, your family, uh, your friends, what your lifestyle going to be, look like. Um, I think there's a lot of things you can try without, you know, maybe giving up that full time job right away before you decide it's, you know, this is your cup of tea. Then you can always burn that bridge later, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good advice, too. You know, everybody wants to just quit their full-time job, but a lot of businesses need to be started on the side. And yeah. when, when they exceed your full-time income, then you make the jump, or even when they're yeah. close, but it doesn't really make any sense. And yeah, for at least the active side, when you're not investing, you're not going to get very good deals in your inbox, but when you're actively investing and working on it and telling everybody about it and showing your success, you're going to get a lot better deals than the guy who's never done it. Again. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I get, I get a lot better deals than I did in the past because I'm, I've am i been doing deals for four years now.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. Not, and it took time. Ready. You you probably missed some opportunities and you maybe lost a little bit of money here and there. Hopefully you didn't too much, but yeah. you know, and, I, and you learn them more by the losers, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the mistakes are big. They're, they're yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, David, you know what we uh, we talk a lot about books on here. What's your favorite business or mindset book you like to recommend to people? Oh yeah, there's a
1: lot of good books, and it kind of depends on my mood at the time. Um, <clears throat> oh, I got a bookshelf here. I should have probably put one out. Um, one will pop up to me. Okay, I got one uh, called Deep Work. Uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, I don't know if that's been talked about before. Um, that's probably you know, something that I, I really resonate with. It's easy to get up and get caught in your email and start running. And then at the end of the day, you're like, you're tired. You look back and you're just stuck in your email box. And, yep. you're, doing stuff and you're getting pulled in 25 different directions. And you didn't really work on your, spend some time working on yourself. Um, and this is covered in a lot of different ways, but this guy had some amazing success. And really what he just did was he carved out quite a bit of time. And maybe you, you can't do it initially, but he carved out quite a bit of time, like a couple hours a day in the morning. I think I got up to like a noon, like eight to noon. He just focused on like personal development research. He was a, a professor, so he was doing all this kind of stuff. And he had, he had all these kind of awards and everything else. Um, but he didn't work all the time. What he found out was he just had a lot of – he had a, when he had the time – he really focused. He didn't listen to his phone or get distracted by anything. He found time, and uh, I think it was Thoreau. He, he, there's a bunch of people he he talks about in the book. But you know, in the older days, we we weren't so distracted, so it was not unusual for someone to go write a book. They would go off to a cabin somewhere or up in uh, you know Matthew McConaughey. I want to read his book called Green Lights. Really good. Uh, you know, he's from Boston. Have you read it? Yeah, I just I, just, I, I, I heard about it. I want to read it, but you know, he's talking about, uh, you know, he went to Hawaii and where, where he's, you know, he needed to get away to kind of write this book. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's really missing in our life these days. You don't really carve out that time, but it's a really, it's a really worthwhile book. And what I, what I was impressed with is that he had more time because yeah. like, he's even talking about why listening, listening in the evenings, you know, he puts everything away. When he gets home, he's done. Like he's not doing his stuff for work. Um, but he was producing some tremendous high quality work and very productive work at a, a really high pace for his, um, where he was in the professorship arena. But, um, and he was there for his students, but he, at nighttime, he was like listening to a, he was in DC, he's listening to a Senator's baseball game. Now, have you tried to watch or listen to a baseball game? And, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to uh, upset any baseball. I played college baseball. So I, I love baseball, but I, I haven't really watched the baseball game in a long time. I think it would be really hard for me to sit in front of a TV and watch it. Going to a game would be much better, mm-hmm. uh, but with COVID, so like I, if I could try to watch a game, it would drive me kind of nuts. Like if, besides the commercials, it's just slow. It's like really slow. But what he was, his analogy was, listen, like you really kind of relax, like really relax your mind and your body and kind of enjoy the game, the strategy, the simple strategies of, you know, uh, pitching it wide to you know get this runner on base, and, and I brought it back to my memories how much I kind of missed baseball because he slowed everything down. He was able to really appreciate life, and so my wife and I are trying to do that with like little simple routines in the morning to kind of get our ready. Safe, right? So we have a, a lady here in Austin. Oh gosh, I should give her some fanfare. Lady in Austin, she's famous and does yoga stuff. Uh, Adrian, Adrian's yep. her name. She's all over YouTube, and so we do her little thirty-minute thing in the morning, and we do it together. My daughter is staying with us now. She works for Disney in LA, but she's been with with some COVID. So she's involved. Her boyfriend comes out. Sometimes we we'll have four people in the hallway doing this yoga in the morning. And we always kind of, it's kind of regular like 30 minutes and then we're off doing our own thing. But that's the kind of stuff I think we're really missing. A lot of people are missing their life. And um, when I don't do the yoga, I don't carve out some time, like the deep work stuff. Then I, I just realized I've, I haven't worked on my most important thing myself my energy, my health, my minds, my spirit, all of that stuff. If I just just run through the week and don't carve out that time, it's a different week. I get to the week I'm tired uh, at the end of the week. And I don't feel, I've, I got stuff done, but it was busy work, right? And I move the ball. But I really move the ball in my business when I carve out that you know, hour or two to really think about my goals and how this is all coming together and all that stuff.
0: Awesome. And, I have not read that. I have that book, so I need to read it now.
1: Yeah, it's a good
0: one. Awesome. So, David, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your business or just talking to you about real estate? Yeah,
1: we have a lot of Austin people. So I'd love to, you know, when when COVID kind of slows down here, we get people out having some coffees again. So I used to like to meet people. Um, But certainly, uh, David at ThompsonInvesting.com. It's all one word, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-Investing.com. The website's the same, Thompson Investing dot.com. Um, you can you can get there, and you can uh, you can download some free stuff on my on my website. Um, you can see some of the projects we've worked on, and uh, I've got a lot of blog articles up there to kind of get you up to speed on what we're doing, or if you're interested in a specific area. And I've got uh, two downloadable eBooks. One called Riches and Ditches: The Passive Investor, and one called How I Raised uh, One Million Dollars in Two Weeks. It's more for the people who are interested in capital raising. So I've got a couple of books up there uh, eBooks you can download for free. But, uh, anyway, I'd love to connect with any guys. Uh, if you're here, especially in Austin, let's take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and appreciate uh, the time, Jordan. It was great.
0: Absolutely. And we'll have all that in the show notes too. So everybody in the show notes for, for his website and his email, um, David, last question, probably the most important question we asked, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin back when, people uh, yeah,
1: this is going to be, it's Whataburger. Uh, is my favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not a real super con. I love food. I'm not, I'm not really don't like, I I don't, it's not probably any food. I really don't like, uh, Rudy's is close to me and I like Torchy's tacos. Um, I don't, I'm not opposed to fancier stuff. Uh, you know, I I just like, you know, Franklin's would be wonderful. I I have takeout from there. Um, Franklin's barbecue is famous and there's like, I like blacks barbecue. I'm more of a barbecue guy when I can get out. Um, but it's funny, the other day my wife was like, well, you know, when you get out, I don't feel like cooking tonight or whatever. I'm like, uh, burger's fine. I'll just go get some. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, so I'm pretty easy. But Torchy's is great. Rudy's is, is easy, you know, just pick up the meal and come home. So with COVID, it's kind of changed our where we go and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know this stuff for most of your foodies out there, like, oh, he's hurting my ears. But I, I like things that are close, always treat me well, uh, you know, so I'm pretty simple that way.
0: Yeah. Rudy's is great. You know, Rudy's and Black's both, but Rudy's, there's a bunch of them around the Austin area. Really? Like five, uh, five
1: or so. Yeah. And, and unfortunately they're going out of state, which Torchy's is doing too. And I just, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I don't like that. I just like, I keep that Austin, Texas image. Right? I'm okay about Texas, but if I, if I go to New Jersey and find Torchy's tacos, it'll probably upset me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unless I'm looking
1: for Torchy's tacos. like, yeah, yeah you'll be happy, I'll be happy.
0: That's right. <laughs> The curse of having such good food here, I guess. Yeah, there you go. What's your favorite place? What do you like? Um, I would say probably my favorite easy place is most likely Rudy's. My favorite yeah. just place in general, I would say has to be Red Ash downtown. I've never,
1: I've never been there. I'll
0: have to it's go check really it out. good. It's great. Yeah, so you should try that out. Well, great, David. Thank you so much for coming on here. Everybody's information will be in the show notes. So make sure to check the show notes for his email and website. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you once we're all out of our houses.
1: I can't wait. Let's, uh, Let's get together soon, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time again.
0: All right. Thank you.